you can join the fight to defend employee-funded and association PACs by texting NABPAC to 52886. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome back to the Facts About Packs. I'm Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director, and I am co-host of this fine podcast along with Adam Belmar. How does December fit you, my friend? December feels nice. You know, the last time we huddled around this podcast fire was right before the Reconnect conference, Michaela. And I got to tell you, Thanksgiving 2021, for me, it just, it felt so much more familiar than last year. Yes, it certainly did. And I got to be honest, Thanksgiving feels like almost a lifetime away already at this point. But we're leaning into the curve here as we head into the holidays. And I'm so pleased that we were able to reconnect our members after two years of being apart. You know, I had a chance to catch up with some folks afterwards and just heard how great it was to be back together, to hear just in person people's voices and just so much more memorable the time that we got to spend together that day. And it felt really good. Agreed. And now on with the show. Coming up in a minute on the number one PAC podcast in America, Federal Street Strategies, Andy Jones, and Risk Management Forecast for PAC Directors. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NAB activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. And today's episode is brought to you by Chainbridge Bank. Looking for a financial partner who actually understands PACs? And the frustration by crossing the bridge to better banking with Chain Bridge Bank, a group who specializes in the financial needs of the corporate and association PAC space. Chain Bridge Bank, they know PACs. And on the NAB activity front, join us on Tuesday, December 7th, 11 a.m. Eastern for our final webinar of the year, State and Federal Disclosure Regimes with Wiley partner Mark Renaud. Michaela, you wouldn't want to miss that, would you? No, this is going to be very informative, especially as we move into the election season. You know, this webinar and this episode share a common theme, be aware. What might come as a shock to some in the new year shouldn't surprise PAC directors. The legislative fog of December we're seeing right now will break in January to reveal obstacles ahead. And joining us now to gauge the political headwinds of the 2022 midterm election year is our good friend, Andy Jones from Federal Street Strategies. Welcome back to the podcast, Andy. Thanks, Michaela. Let's start with the legislative fog, Andy. What can we expect to see completed over the last few weeks of this year? Congress is going to end the year on a busy note. Uh, at the end of this week, funding for the government is going to run out, so they have to do something about that. Right now, it looks like they're probably going to do a uh, continuing resolution until mid-February. Uh, so that'll take care of government funding. Of course, then there's the debt ceiling that needs to be lifted or addressed sometime before estimates uh, say the government will run out of money in the middle of December. So that has to be handled sometime soon. And then finally, there's the president's Build Back Better agenda, which is a uh, massive package of uh, social spending programs, which also includes a number of provisions in a, in a wide array of areas and is, is being considered in the Senate at this moment. This week, the Senate parliamentarian is going line by line through the bill to see what fits budget reconciliation rules. And then after that, we'll have to see if the senators can agree on uh, passing it. Once that happens, it'll come back to the House and it will get sent to the president. 
So we'll have to see what happens to the end of the year, but that's a lot to fit in. Uh, members of Congress love going home for the holidays, as does everyone else. And it will be a, it's a question this year, as it often is, as to whether that's actually going to happen or not. To what extent, though, as we go through this cycle after cycle, you go to sleep on December 31st, 2021, and you wake up in a new world in 2022. It's an election year. The politics has suddenly changed, ramped up. The winds are blowing. What kind of political winds do we we expect on all the things that could vex our community? Are we going to see the flames getting stoked around election reform and campaign reform early on in 22? Or are they still going to be dealing with hangover from Build Back Better? I think that remains to be seen, Adam, but I think you're onto something in that there's a huge incentive to get the Build Back Better plan passed before the end of the year. They don't want this to drag on to next year where it does get tied into the election year. The next question would be, but what are they going to talk about and what are they going to work on after the reconciliation bill is either passed or, or somehow handled? And you have an array of things, some of which could be sort of small bore bipartisan type things, but then they're also going to be bigger picture areas where the parties are just going to agree to disagree. And I think one of those is on election reform. We've seen the Senate and the House both act on election reform or try to act on election reform so far this year. The House was able to pass their bill, their legislation, but the Senate has had a much more difficult time, namely because of the filibuster requirement. In order to get anything through the Senate, you have to have 60 votes. And the Senate, Senate Democrats have had a very difficult time getting election reform up that high. There's been a series of negotiations within the Democrats in the Senate, and they have pared down the House bill substantially. It still includes a number of campaign finance reform provisions, but Unless the filibuster is reformed or somehow modified, there's there's no real route for this bill to be passed into law. So we'll have to see what happens there, but it would seem to be very likely that this becomes an election year issue. And it's something that members of Congress and candidates all around the country are talking about, whether it's campaign finance reform or redistricting, any number of things that are within those election reform buckets that could be discussed by, by candidates for the rest of the year. And it should bring a lot of attention to these issues one way or the other. And once that happens, as, as we all know things can become very unpredictable. Michaela, people don't necessarily want the bill, but they're going to enjoy the issue. And we are not because so much of the rhetoric that gets put out there is misinformation. This is going to be some serious headwinds, I think, in 2022. Yeah, we've been talking about this pretty much all year that, you know, these types of issues that may not be specifically related to PACs are going to be tied into your PAC giving and your donations over time, not even just in the last few months, but probably over the last few election cycles will be called out potentially and used in a way that would be seen in a negative light towards your PAC giving. So all the things we've been talking about this year, these, these social issues, I think, you know, as we look at what's happening at the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade, depending on what happens there, if that issue gets thrown back as a sort of a state-by-state -state issue, I think we're going to see a lot of scrutiny around your state giving and who you're giving to. And so making sure that your boards, your executive management team, all of your stakeholders internally are prepared for these headwinds because it's going to probably be another bumpy year. It's a lot more complicated and more difficult than it may have once been. I don't think you can just look and say, you know, is this candidate or is this member, is he good for our company or for our industry? You have to look at sort of a broader picture to that. There's going to be a lot of interest in where candidates and where members of Congress are positioning themselves on some of these social issues. You're going to have a very competitive gubernatorial election in Georgia with Stacey Abrams entering the race. You will also have a, an election in Texas for the governor's mansion, as well as the other state offices with, I guess, Matthew McConaughey has said he's 
going to drop out, but uh, Beto O'Rourke is still planning on running against Greg Abbott. So you're going to have very competitive state races, and these state races are going to be seen as being all the more important without federal legislation, whether it's on election reform or, as Michaela mentioned, the Supreme Court, if they overturn Roe v. Wade, then the, the just a much more abortion legislation will be considered at the state level. So these state races are going to pick up and you're going to have uh, a lot of members of Congress who are who previously could kind of defer to the judicial branch for their position on abortion, whether they're pro-life or pro-choice, they they now will be called upon to actually do something about it. And that's going to be a much more complicated situation. So what does that have to do with a PAC? Well, even if your PAC has, which I presume most business PACs have nothing to do with pro-life, pro-choice or election reform issues, uh, your, your, your workforce, your employees, your customers, your clients are all going to be interested in what sort of candidates that you're going to be contributing to. And I think that's going to be something that's going to really complicate a lot of PAC giving from here on out. Andy, switching gears just a little bit, we saw this week another candidate running for Senate who publicly has sworn off corporate PAC contributions. We've also seen over the last year a few candidates that had originally taken the no corporate PAC pledge kind of walk away from that. How do these pledges do you see going forward in 2022 as we ramp up for the election season play into all of this? Well, I think there's a there is a need for education of some of these members of Congress and candidates th that they don't always necessarily understand that PAC funds are made up predominantly of employee funds. They're just they're given away by the decisions of the employees of these com companies or uh, of the trade association or the company. So I, I think there's 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 an aspect of that to it, but it, it's an it's an element of doing additional outreach and messaging to ensure that these members and candidates are able to understand what exactly PACs are, what the giving looks like, how it's how it's regulated, how it's overseen, how it's disclosed, so that members feel more comfortable taking the contributions and having a more full interaction with some of these PACs and some of the employees of the companies that contribute to them. Andy, I've been really encouraged by public policymakers, speakers series, we've been able to get in front of around 30 elected officials over the last year and a half or so to talk about who we are as an organization, but also to talk about just what you were mentioning, how these PACs are run and regulated. And I've been pleasantly surprised that the vast majority of the legislators that we've talked to understand that our PACs are powered by people. I think one of our guests just recently made that point. And so we do see the importance of that communication, and, and it can't just be only NABPAC saying it. It's got to be all of us as a community constantly pounding that drumbeat. Yeah, it's about, you know, these employees often will be meeting with candidates in their hometowns and in their home districts, and it's important to bring up where this support comes from and the mechanism that these employees are able to use to make contributions to members of Congress who are supportive of their company and their industry, and that's through the PAC system. I find that when we talk about what is coming through the lens of headwinds and risk mitigation, Michaela, the news cycle and all of the scrutiny in this area will knock you or try to knock you off course. And the overlap that Andy's talking about in the scrutiny around some of the issues that people are going to be forced to take positions on for the first time in some time is going to make a little bit more complicated the work that everyone does. But we can see it coming and we can be prepared for it. I'm glad, Andy Jones, that you were able to join us on the show today. I want to thank you for being with us on the Facts About Packs podcast. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone downloading and sharing our show. Subscribe and meet us right back here on the Facts About Packs podcast. <laughs> <laughs>